Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. As we're walking by faith, as we're living by faith, we don't have to strive for things. We don't have to try to force something. But we can just sort of sit back and say, well, Lord, you know, I'm trusting you. And I believe that you're able. And I can let everybody else around me, you know, run after this and strive for that. And I don't have to do that. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the book of Genesis. Join us as Pastor Brian begins his teaching on Genesis chapter 13 in a message titled, Obedience and Blessing. Now, here's Pastor Brian. Let's open up our Bibles to Genesis chapter 13. So here we are. Well, in our last study, just to just sort of to catch us up here, uh, in our last study, we saw how with the call of Abram, Abram, remember, we pointed out that he was a Mesopotamian, but with the call of Abram, a whole new period in the history of redemption began. Abram is to be, as we saw, the progenitor of a new race through whom the divine promises are to be preserved and ultimately fulfilled. Uh, We also saw how the beginning of Abram's walk of faith was a mingling of success and failure due to human weakness. The call, as you remember, was to get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. Abram was successful in that he did get out of his country, but he failed in regard to breaking away from his family and also in going directly to the land of Canaan. Instead, under the influence of his father, Terah, he went on a long detour to the land of Haran, and only after his father's death did he resume his journey toward the land of Canaan. So as we pointed out, this wasn't due to any rebellion to the call or the will of God on the, on the part of Abraham, but it was really more due to human weakness. Just that, that inability to, to really let go, that inability to make that, that complete separation from the family. And we saw that, that God in his patience and in his mercy, he overruled Abraham's failure there. So as we pick up the story... Abram is just recovering from a second lapse of faith, and we read about that as well. You remember he had gone to Canaan. Finally, after his father died, he came into the land, and when a famine struck, rather than seeking God for wisdom, he went down to Egypt. 
And in going down to Egypt, he actually was jeopardizing the plan of God by allowing his wife Sarai to potentially be compromised by Pharaoh. You remember as they were going into Egypt, Abram said to her, now you're very beautiful and there's a chance that, you know, if they know that you're my wife, they're going to they're gonna kill me in order to get at you. So, so say that you're my sister. And she complied and uh, she was taken into the home of Pharaoh. But you remember the story, God intervened. And so again, God has overruled Abram's mistake and now has brought him back into the promised land. But before further blessing can come, obedience must be complete. And and this is what we're looking at here. We're looking at this, this process that Abram is going through, God is patiently enduring with his human weakness to bring him to a place of of total obedience, really, in order that the blessing of God might be fully poured out upon his life. Now, remember, the command of God to Abram was to separate himself from his father's house. And here in the passages that we'll look at here, we see that circumstances have arisen that will bring Abram into complete conformity to the original call of God. God's sovereign plan in Abram's life, in your life, in my life, God's sovereign plan will not be thwarted by human weakness. And in the case of Abram, if Abram cannot cut the final cord that binds him to his family, God will cut it himself. And that's exactly what we're going to see. But God will do it in a way that seems as though it wasn't his doing. He will send Lot away. Lot is the, is the final connection back to Ur, back to his father's house, back to his family. But God will send him away, yet seemingly through natural circumstances. So let's look at the 13th chapter and let's pick it up in verse 5. So Lot also, who went with Abram, had flocks and herds and tents. Now the land was not able to support them, that they might dwell together, for their possessions were so great that they could not dwell together. And there was strife between the herdsmen of Abram's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. The Canaanites and the Perizzites then dwelt in the land. So Abram said to Lot, please let there be no strife between you and me and between my herdsmen and your herdsmen, for we are brethren. Is not the whole land before you? Please separate from me. If you take the left, then I will go to the right. Or if you go to the right, then I will go to the left. 
And Lot lifted his eyes and saw all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as you go toward Zoar. Then Lot chose for himself all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated from each other. Abram dwelt in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain, and pitched his tent even as far as Sodom. But the men of Sodom were exceedingly wicked and sinful against the Lord. And the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, lift your eyes now and look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, and westward, for all the land which you see I give to you and your descendants forever. And I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth, so that if a man could number the dust of the earth, then your descendants also could be numbered. Arise and walk in the land through its length and its width, for I give it to you. Then Abram moved his tent and went and dwelt by the terebinth trees of Mamre, which are in Hebron, and built an altar there to the Lord. So we see that God has sovereignly worked the circumstances out to accomplish really for Abram what he was unable to do himself because of human weakness. And I think that as we look at this particular chapter, there are a couple of specific things that God would speak to us from this chapter. But there are a few other things that are you know, sort of incidental to the story, but I think that they are important to mention as well. So initially, just a few observations. Notice that there is strife that develops between the herdsmen of, of Abram and, and the herdsmen of Lot. And notice also, it says in verse 7, the Canaanites and the Perizzites dwelt in the land. And Abram recognizes that this is a problem. And so he says, let there be no, no strife between us. He, he recognizes that this isn't a good thing, not simply because uh, of the contention between them, but I think it's significant that it mentions to us that the Canaanite and the Perizzite then dwelt in the land. And I think the, the point that we could draw from that is that strife among brothers is a bad witness to the world. Now, remember, Abram's coming into this country that God is giving him, into this land, and he's coming in as a representative of the living God. But now there's, there's strife, there's contention within his own ranks, and I think Abraham saw this as a bad witness, he saw this as, this is, this is not a good thing. It's not a good representation of the God that we're serving. And so he says to Lot, let's separate. So, so the strife will cease, basically. And you know, that same thing is true today. It's not good when we as brothers and sisters, as Christians 
It's not good when there's strife between us and the world is watching. It's a bad witness. And I think we need to really be conscious of that. And we, we need to be on our guard. Uh, because the world is watching. And the world is, is looking for some reason to reject the claims of the gospel. They're looking for any reason to reject Christianity. They're looking for any reason to say, oh, the church, you know, that's just a bunch of hypocrites. Why would we want to be part of that? And when there's strife among us publicly, this, it just adds fuel to their fire. Strife among brothers isn't good. So this is one observation from the passage here. But secondly, and this is in reference to Lot, what we see here is that the spiritually compromised will not partake in the full blessing of God. Now, here's the thing about Lot, and we're gonna actually do a sort of a, a character study on Lot a bit later. But the thing that is sometimes a bit puzzling about Lot is the fact that the New Testament refers to him as a genuine believer. Peter even refers to him as a righteous man. But when you look at his conduct here in Genesis, it's a little bit perplexing. But the reality is, Lot was a believer. But he was a compromised believer. He was, you know, interested in God and in the things of God, but he was also very attracted to the world. That's why he chose to move in the direction of Sodom and Gomorrah. Those places reminded him of Egypt. They were lush and and flourishing. And so although Lot was a believer, he would not participate in the covenant of God. Not, I don't think it was because he couldn't have, but I think his heart prevented him from being able to be part of the covenant because his heart was divided. He was compromised. The third thing that I notice here is Abram's dealing with the situation. Notice the posture of the man of faith. And this is such a beautiful picture to me. With Abram, there's no striving. He says to Lot, you know, this division between us, this isn't good. Let's, we need to solve this problem. And look, you choose. If you want to go to the right, I'll go to the left. If you want to go to the left, I'll go to the right. It's up to you. I give you the choice. And, and here you see the posture of the man of faith is the posture of quietness and confidence. You see, Abram is, he's not gonna let the circumstances rattle him. He's trusting in the promises of God. He knows what God has told him. And so he doesn't have to strive. He doesn't have to try to force something. He doesn't have to exert himself and put himself forth first and say, hey, wait a second, you know, I'm the one with the promises and, you know, you're just tagging along anyway. You get out of here. This is all, I'm, I want that land that's 
lush and beautiful. But he just surrenders it all up to the Lord. And, you know, as we're walking by faith, as we're living by faith, that will be our posture as well. We don't have to strive for things. We don't have to try to force something. But we can just sort of sit back and say, well, Lord, you know, I'm trusting you. And I believe that you're able. And I can let everybody else around me, you know, run after this and, and strive for that. And, and I, I don't have to do that. It's the posture of faith, quietness and confidence. Just, hey, whatever you want to do, go ahead. I'll take the leftovers. Even if it doesn't look good, it's all right because I'll just trust the Lord to sort it all out in the end. You know, some people would say, well, that's a totally stupid way to live. You're gonna get ripped off. You're gonna get taken advantage of. Maybe you will. But you know what? It doesn't really matter because God's gonna rectify everything in the end. And, you know, there are times in life when we will get ripped off. There are times in life when we will be taken advantage of. But it's all going to get sorted out in the end, and, and we can just trust that. And, and oftentimes, of course, it'll get sorted out right in the course of our lifetime. So Abram is trusting God. He's quiet. He's confident. He's allowing Lot to choose for himself, and he's going to just trust God for the rest. So those are just a few observations. Now, I think in this story, there is both an overarching lesson as well as a a specific, a couple of specific lessons from this season in Abram's life. Now, I think the overarching lesson, not just here with Abram, but with all of the patriarchs, and, and we're going to see this as we study the life of Isaac, as we study the life of Jacob, as we study, oh, especially the life of Joseph. There is this overarching lesson, and this is essentially it, that God is sovereignly working in the lives of his people to bring them into conformity to his will. You know, I think sometimes we put too much emphasis on ourselves, we sometimes sort of feel like, you know, everything is up to me. We sort of, you know, the, the burden of the whole thing is on my shoulders. And it's based on my performance. And it's based upon, you know, me always getting it absolutely right every time. But, you know, you try to live like that and you can end up really frustrated. You can, re- you can end up really condemned You can end up really disillusioned. You can end up at the point of despair because you think, oh, no, I've messed things up so bad it's never going to get sorted out. But we have to remember, you see, God is working. And God works sovereignly in the lives of his people to bring things to pass. Now, I am thankful. And the longer you walk with the Lord, you, you get this, this view of things. I am so thankful that the will, the plan, the purpose of God is not dependent on me. 
Boy, if it was, we would all be in big trouble. And, you know, God would be in big trouble too if, you know, if, if it was, you know, if it was up to me or us or, you know, any one of us. But it's not. You see, God is at work. And, and like I said initially, I really believe that this separation here that, that seems like a natural thing over this dispute, I believe that this is all part of God working behind the scenes. I believe this is all a part of God sovereignly separating these two men so he can bring the blessing to Abram that he intended to bring, that Abram was sort of hindering because of his affection for his family member. He couldn't let the relationship go. So God says, all right, well, here's what we'll do. We'll allow strife to develop between them, and this will force things in the direction that it needs to go. And if you think about it, any of you that have known the Lord for a while, if you stop to think about it, you could probably think of a number of things similar to that that have occurred in your life that maybe at the time that it transpired, you didn't see the hand of the Lord in it, but later on you look back and you realize, man, God brought that to pass. Can anyone think of anything like that? I know I can. I can think of a number of things like that. Maybe it's a sickness. Maybe it's a setback. We could just go on and on. But understand that these are the kinds of things that God uses to move us around, to get us to rethink things, to do the kinds of things in our life that we would not do ourselves. We wouldn't even understand much of the time that this is what we would need to do. And so this, like I said, is the overarching lesson of uh, the life of the patriarchs. And we see that right here in the separation between Abram and Lot, but we're going to see it even more pronounced as we go further, and especially, especially in the life of Joseph. We will see that. But what is the specific lesson from this season of Abram's life? Because I do believe that there is a a specific lesson that we are to take away from this chapter. And this is what I believe it is. The specific lesson is this. God's full blessing is contingent on total obedience. God's full blessing. It's contingent on total obedience. Remember, this, this promise that God gave to Abram was, you know, in a sense, at this point, it was a conditional promise. What did he say to him? Remember, as we go back into the 12th chapter, he said, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. You shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all of the families of the earth will be blessed. So that's the promise. But what was the condition? The condition, as we've seen, was to get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house. For the month of October, Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled, The Air We Breathe. 
How We All Came to Believe in Freedom, Progress, Kindness, and Equality by Glenn Scrivener. Western culture is characterized by particular values, whether it's the value of equality, when it comes to social injustice, race, or gender, or whether it's the value of freedom regarding local laws or presidential elections. Many of our most cherished values find their historical roots in the Jesus Revolution, also known as Christianity. In his book, The Air We Breathe, Glenn Scrivener traces the history of seven different values that are commonly held in Western culture that their origins have gone unnoticed, but find their beginnings in Christianity itself. He will take you through history, from the beginnings in Genesis up to George Floyd to present his case. This book will open your eyes how Christianity shaped our values of both Christians and non-Christians alike. So we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com to order The Air We Breathe, How We All Came to Believe in Freedom, Kindness, Progress, and Equality by Glenn Scrivener. And when you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you this book as our way to say thank you. We do appreciate your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of Genesis. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.